Courtside Indiana podcast brought to you by Box Out Sports. Box Out Sports is a leading online graphic solution giving you the ability to create professional content in seconds to highlight your team and student athletes during a season. You can sign up for a free demo at boxoutsports.com. Courtside Indiana podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well as SoundCloud. You can subscribe via each of those apps and have them delivered straight to your phone, tablet, or desktop. We would appreciate a rating as well as a review on either of those apps. Welcome to episode 61 of Courtside Indiana Podcast. This is Jim Reamer. Zach Tyler is on vacation. And our guest hosts, uh, Eric Gardner and, and Nick Baumgart, are both out. Uh, Eric is definitely definitely on vacation and uh, we're waiting to hear back from Nick on if he's going to be joining me so I may be going solo here today but we're going to get started on the on the recruiting updates and then we're going to go right into the semi-state games and talk a little bit about those I didn't get a chance to go to any games this week uh, but uh, definitely watch two full games and, and parts of another one so Getting up to date on the recruiting, Tate Avano from Valpar or from Morgan Township, sorry, which is in Valparaiso, had committed to Anderson, uh, high scoring guard from there. Actually, that's a it's a really good pickup for Anderson University. Uh, Eddie Jones con- uh, from Pike, 6'5", senior forward, committed to Kentucky Wesleyan, uh, Division II school, and uh, Gabe McNary from Warren Central, committed to Indiana East, an NAI school, obviously. Uh, uh, it's Indiana University East. Sorry about that. Uh, that's uh, in Richmond. And uh, Malachi Pearson and Nick Flesher both picked up offers this week. Uh, Malachi Pearson, 6'4", wing from Goshen, picked up an offer or from Logansport, picked up an offer from Goshen. Sorry, getting a little bit ahead of myself here. And Nick Flesher, point guard from Franklin, appears to be focusing more on basketball recruiting now than football recruiting. Um uh, picked up, like I said earlier, an offer from Franklin. The, the biggest news of the week was the commitment of Reggie Bass, who had um, who's, who was originally Muncie Central, had transferred down to a, a prep school in Tennessee and has since relocated to a prep school in Fort Wayne. He committed to Illinois over the weekend, and that, that's that's a great situation for him. He's he's definitely he he definitely has some things he needs to work on. I think his his outside shot, how he gets into it. Um, will, will be a thing. I, I like his playmaking uh, when he's when he's aggressive with the ball. Uh, so he's going to be – he's a, a very strong athletic guard, no question about that. He's physically will be able to handle the rigors of the Big Ten. And, um, you know, as his game continues to evolve, he's going to be a guy that, that, should have a, that should have a good career there for the uh, fighting Illini. So the one thing on McNary, McNary spent part of the early part of the year – ineligible due to his transfer from from more from Avon to Warren Central he's a kid that again I think with more exposure you know last summer could have developed or could have caught the interest of division two level schools and and especially some of the out of area lead you know schools that recruit Indiana pretty well there's there's a strong contingency of uh, sunshine state schools down in Florida that recruit Indiana pretty well. And it's those schools that didn't, those types of situations where they didn't get a chance to really watch anybody play 
probably outside of their immediate area, the limited time that Division II schools could even be out um, when it wasn't their their actual season. So, so Chalk McNary up is another kid who's probably a victim of COVID recruiting, and and we're gonna it's gonna be a theme that we we touch on hopefully a little less and less as we go, but there's still going to be some kids, especially in the class of 2022, still some guys in 2021 that are open, uh, that, that, you know, would not have had a full experience. So, and it's, it's unfortunate for them. Um, but, um, and then with the transfer market, the way it's going to be, especially the division two division one level, uh, high school guys are going to get a little bit of squeeze here for the next two classes while things start to settle down a little bit. We're going to move on now to our semi-state talk uh, here in about in a, in a few seconds, but um, wanted to thank uh, Nick Baumgard and, and Eric Gardner for their continued help during the state tournament. Um, I think they're going to be back uh, when we get ready to preview the state finals next week. We got a week off this week for the tournament and um, getting, getting some of those, uh, getting the updates or getting the matchups up to date here. The 1A matchup, Couts versus Bar Reeve. That's at 10 a.m. These games are not going to be played this Saturday. If you've if you've not paid much attention to the high school game and you come in kind of late for the state finals, I think if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know the state tournament has been moved back to uh, I want to say April 3rd. Let me check that date. Uh, so it's definitely not going to be on March 27th. It is definitely going to be April 3rd. That's because the NCAA is of course in town. And they're using Banker's Life Fieldhouse for the uh, Elite Eight uh, this this Saturday. Or, well, yeah, it is this Saturday. Gosh, there's still games today. There's going to be a lot of NCAA games this morning we're, or the today. We're recording this Monday morning, and uh, we're going to publish it pretty quickly after that. But there's a lot of NCAA games today. That's a, that's a new thing. Um, that is definitely uh, going to be something to look forward to later this afternoon. So... But they'll be using NCAA will be using Bankers Life Fieldhouse on Saturday the 27th. So the IHSA uh, moved their dates instead of changing locations, which you know hit or miss. It really depends on where you know. There's some families that are going to be impacted with their spring breaks are going to be impacted by this move. Um, but it really was a pick your poison. I, I think they they opted on the side of keeping the venue at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. They feel that's a, that's a treat. And, and a tradition they that they are obviously oh a few years in the making and, and want to continue. So the 10 o'clock game is the 1A game, Couts versus Bar-Reeve. The 1.30 p.m. game is Fort Wayne Blackhawk, the 2A game versus Park Heritage. Then they, you know, they clear the gym. We come back at 5 o'clock. Um, well, actually, these games, you know what, are going to be space. There's not going to be that natural break in between. They're probably going to have more room. Um yeah, they are. They're going to have more room between the 1A and 2A games and the 3A and 4A games, which will now sort of create an even flow for just the entire day instead of a large break in the middle. So at 5 o'clock is the 3A game, Leo versus Silver Creek. And then the 4A state championship is at 8.30 p.m., Carmel versus Lawrence North. I think a general impression, you looked at the picks that we made uh, this past week um for the um semi-state i think you could say that a lot of it went according to form i know we all picked when i say all i mean zach and and 
Nick and Eric, I know we all picked Carmel and Lawrence North, even though neither one of those situations, either neither one of those were were easy decisions. Um, we split on the three A games. I picked Leo versus Silver Creek. So did Eric. Nick and Zach picked South Bend St. Joe. And then Zach took Silver Creek, where Nick went uh, kind of diverged from all of us and went with Garen Catholic. The two A game, we all picked Blackhawk. Um, Nick and Eric picked Southridge. I picked Park Heritage along with Zach. And then one uh, A game, we both we all picked. Excuse me, Couts versus Bar Reeve. So, um, gosh, I got all four right or all of it right. So that's good for me. <laughs> Yay for me. Um, I, you know, I was on record last week. I wanted to see Southridge play in the two A game, just because I hadn't seen them play, and um, or I hadn't seen, especially hadn't seen Colson Montgomery play in high school. Hadn't seen him play during his school season. Uh, but Park Heritage, uh, looking forward to see them. Their young guard Christian Johnson. So we'll preview that stuff coming up the following Thursday, and it'll be on uh, ready to go that Friday morning before the state finals. But. All the games will be played on Saturday as we just listed off the schedule. The girls had switched it up a little bit because of COVID and put uh, one of the games on Friday night so they could space out the games on Saturday a little bit wider so they could, I guess, obviously handle cleaning, disinfecting, things like that. I like the boys' schedule better. There, again, there is no natural break, um, which that's fine because it ends up being about, I don't know, about two hours too long in between where we're just sort of sitting around at finding the local B-dubs or someplace like that. So, so looking forward to, uh, to those games, but let's get to the games this past weekend. And, you know, I started off in my case, wasn't able to get to a, a gym this, this past Saturday. So I had a personal situation with, with a, someone close to me pop up and help take care of that. Uh, it still allowed me to watch games at one o'clock. It still allowed me to watch games, uh, but just wasn't going to be able to get away for the entire day like like I normally would. But I started off with the Silver Creek uh, versus Garen Catholic game. And look, I, you know, if at some point we talk about teams we were most impressed with during the year that didn't win a title, I think Garen Catholic is, is going to be right up there for me. The, the way they played this year, the two games that I saw live, the the way they the the way they execute. Of course, I, I've I've got an affinity for how the, for what they do uh, in terms of you know the, their motion offense and the way they defend. Um, but then just how they do it obviously matters. Well, it matters more than what they do, to be honest. But but it's it's still nice when you see something that is. Um, you know, something that you really enjoy watching and then they're coming out and they're really good at it. I, I, you know, I like that part about the way Carmel does things. I like how they do things. And, and I like that. They're obviously I love that. They're really good at it, but, but Garen Catholic would be right there. Uh, on one of the teams that I've enjoyed watching this year. And, and they really did a great job through three quarters of, of handling silver Creek of making things difficult, especially for their, for their two stars, Trey Kaufman and, and, uh, Cooper Jacoby and the, the one thing that I think started to separate Silver Creek from them was two things well I said the one thing but there's two things that I thought 
started to change the, the the tide a little bit for Silver Creek. One, I thought they were able to to really control the boards uh, on both ends of the floor, and and the second thing is was um, when Kaufman and Jacoby got chances to get into space, they were not they were pretty unstoppable. Uh, they either got got to the rim and got fouled, or they got to the rim and scored. Now, Garen made that made those opportunities few and far between, especially in the first half. There, there was never a time where those two guys really got got open in space or got catches in space. But I thought Coach Hoffman did a better job in the second half of of finding those opportunities and and really taking advantage of it. And and Jacoby's probably a little bit more aggressive off the dribble than what Kaufman was this past weekend. And and it, it definitely is something that I think Kaufman will develop as he gets to Purdue is just a little bit more of a, you know, sniffing for ways to get downhill where that's always Jacoby's mindset. But, but then what Kaufman was also able to do was he was able to float around the mid paint area or the mid post area and, and still find ways to, to, to be around the basketball and, and impact plays. And, you know, ultimately, um, Ultimately, they were able to get um, some offensive some offensive help from um, look up his name now, Isaac Hinton. Hinton hit a couple of threes in the second half that I thought really changed, also helped change the course of the game. That definitely became somebody they had to pay a little bit more closer attention to, and that created the space. And then Brandon Norman, once things really got open, Brandon Norther in there late was was driving. And say it will, but it was driving, was able to take contact. There really isn't anybody for Garen that can protect the basket to stop all three of those guys in, in, in Kaufman, Jacoby, and, and Northern. And especially when Isaac started, when Hinton started hitting, got his clean looks, um, he looked, um, you know, that just was the final piece for them. They did a great job. Silver Creek did a great job of, on, on Bobilia. Joseph Bobilia, their senior guard, who had scored 40 points uh, in, the, in the regional in a regional game. Caleb Edwards did kind of what Caleb has done all year. He, he was extremely hard to guard off the ball. He's constantly moving. He, he is a plus defender and is able to create offense with defense. Uh, and I was really impressed with Matthew Gillis. He did not back down. He was his, he's got a big body. And, you know, and that that allowed him to displace Kaufman a couple of times and and score up over him. And, you know, it was definitely going to be a challenge for Gillis to be an option because he is a key part of their offense. And for him to to come through that way, that's it really enabled Garen to to stay in. And keep in mind, this was never I mean, Silver Creek basically just pulled away you know, in the, in the early to mid portions of the fourth quarter. I mean, it was a one point game at halftime. Silver Creek was ahead. Uh, they, they, they outscored them in the third quarter, but it wasn't like they did it early. It, it was a couple of late baskets to give them the advantage. And, and then Hinton came out and hit a three in, in the fourth quarter. I cannot remember if his other three was in the fourth quarter too, but, but there was definitely one where he was on the far wing, at least from the far wing from, where my view was on TV and um, you know, it was, it was good to watch Gillis uh, battle inside both. I mean, he just made life difficult for, for both those big guys. He just, he's a strong kid. And ultimately it just, 
too many options for Silver Creek and, and too much too much advantage at the key, you know, at at positions. I mean, Kaufman's six nine, Gillis is six six five, Jacoby's six seven, extremely, and both those kids are extremely skilled, especially for their size. Um, and and you know, Northern has a great ability of taking contact and making plays, and that's where Bobilia Bobilia is not going to get in the paint and and be able to score over bigger guys like that. Not not nearly as effectively. He's a shooter. He's a guy who can get in mid range, and, and and you know, good floater. Uh, but that's tougher against the length that Silver Creek has. So, um, the game when I went as I expected. If the only way Garen was going to win that is if they got more production from the three-point line. And I, and I don't think they got what they needed out of it. I mean, Billy only had two points. Um, you know, but then it's some of those other pieces, too. You even look at a couple of the other guys like, you know, Grissom or Etchison tend to score around, you know, six, seven, eight points between, you know, each. And the, those those little things didn't happen. So, you know, all in all, it was it was a great game. I know Garen Catholic will, this will be a season they get a chance to look back on. And, um, you know, but at the end of the day, it was Silver Creek kind of, you know, talent won out at the end. And that's, and that's what it became. It just became an issue of they had the same skill level. They're just a little bit bigger at, at those positions. In between that game and the, the start of the Carmel Gary West game, we got a chance to watch some of the, um, Bar Reeve and Tenley game and 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 clearly the tale of two halves. <laughs> clearly. I mean Bar Reeve did control most of the game. And they, they were ahead at one point in the first half, 24 to 12. And then Tenley all of a sudden started to amp up the pressure. And, and Bar Reeve did struggle with it. And Tenley pulled up a couple of quick baskets, cut the lead to 24-16, but then things kind of stalled from there the remaining part of the half. And you know, they, they weren't able to take full advantage of up in the pressure. Now, I did not see the start. I did not see the third quarter. And I did not then sit through and watch the fourth quarter. But as I understand it, the 25 to 1 run basically was that was that whole quarter is what Bar Reeve had. I mean, I was I was away and by the time I got back after the third quarter, it was it was pretty much a done deal at that point. You know, Barry, of course, hope is impressive because the one thing is is he can handle that quickness. He can handle the speed around him. He can handle the bodies. Um, he got a couple of guys in foul trouble. I mean, I mean, Joseph Glenn picked up three fouls in, in quick order, and I'm not sure. You know, they talked about it on the on the telecast. I'm not sure that the Tenley bench knew he had three fouls because next thing you know, he's picking up his fourth. He had four fouls at halftime. So, and then Humphrey, Aaron Humphrey picked up, uh, started to get some fouls and, and he's obviously a big part of their offense, but, but Glenn had really come on for, for Tenley in terms of just the consistency of scoring as, as well as his rebound production. Um, he's just been a guy that, that has been able to rely, that Tenley has been able to rely on. And he's also one of those dudes that benefits, from Tenley turning defense into offense. And that's the one thing – that's one thing they couldn't do and it, against Bar Reeve. And, you know, a lot of that goes to goes to credit to Bryson Graver and Hagen Nepp. Both those guys are are unique players at, at, 
And let's face it, a rural 1A school, they both have good size for their position. They have great size for their position and, 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 and great length. And, you know, those, those guys are, are not easy to find, let alone easy to find at, at smaller schools where you're just not, you're not pulling kids from a large enrollment. And then, and then you get, you know, then you get a guy like Devin Graber who comes in and, and produces the way he did with his, with his outside shooting and just his, his ball handling and not being in a position where he's, he's having issues with, with Tenley's pressure. It, it really just caved in on him. And again, I don't know what the third quarter looked like and I didn't watch the fourth quarter. So I don't know if Tenley turnover machine or, or what happened. You know, Devin Graber, I mean, he averaged six points a game this year. And, he, and he's had some games. He's had, I mean, his season high is 16 points. He reached that level twice. And he's had other games uh, where, he's, where he's hit 13 points. And that's what he, he had against, uh, that's what he had against Tenley. But he is a good outside shooter and he was able to get free. I, I'm absolutely sure of it because, you know, as, as, you beat, as you beat pressure, if you can attack on the back end, then, then, you know, you can really exploit it and hitting outside shots. Like some of the kids they've got uh, that bar Reeve has, um, you know, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be key. I mean, you look at, you know, even a kid like Kidwell, uh, Thomas Kidwell is a senior that had, that hit some big shots against Carmel, two big shots, <laughs> hit two big shots against Tenley too. So any, anytime you can, you can put guys like Graber, like Kidwell on the floor, on the floor who can who can hit from three point line, stretch the defense out. It makes it easier for their stars, and and because Bryson Graber is not a guy. I mean, he might be. I mean, it's tough. You sit there and you try to parse things out. You say Bryson Graber might be their most important player, averaging six and a half points a game, but he's eight assists a game, two steals per game. You know, he's over. You know, he's he gets. Seems like he, he gets a big defensive play whenever they need one, and he's able to guard multiple positions. Um, and, and Hope is obviously their their main guy, and and then Hagen Nepp uh, provides different things for them. And it's kind of a herky jerky, kind of a Manu Ginobili type. Not comparing him in terms of caliber. I don't like making the NBA comparison, but but he's kind of that herky jerky guy that all of a sudden he's in a position to make a play, and he and he's he's a smart kid who makes it, but. Hope was impressive. Uh, looking at the Indianapolis Star, he had, or he had 20 points and 16 rebounds. You know, and he's just a load. He was, he's a load at any level, and he's going to have a good career at Bellarmine. Uh, they're Division One, but um, you know, when you look to at a kid like Humphrey, who's a big deal for Tenley, you know, he went scoreless, and you know, they just. They could never really get anything in their half court stuff, and then when they couldn't turn Bar Reeve over, I'm sure that's that's when things got a little got a little out of control. So, I uh, didn't get a chance to watch either of the two A games. I uh, did not see the three A North game. Uh, these are, and then did not watch the one A North game, and and that, that pretty much put me in front of a TV for Carmel versus Gary West. And you know the 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 key for one key for Carmel was going to be making sure that um, they didn't pick up early foul trouble. I, I do think they're deeper. They, they do get, they do get um, a little better defensively when they have Frischie on the floor. But this was a game where I thought Charlie Williams is 
length was going to be a positive. Well, it's always a positive, but this is definitely a game where I thought it was going to be necessary. And But the more Jalen Washington played on the perimeter, the better Carmel was. And I thought Jalen responded by by trying to be a factor in the post. He wasn't nearly as as um, he wasn't nearly as much of a pick and pop guy. Um, and he, he he was he was physical inside. And there were sometimes it's it's tough watching games on TV and get a, getting a, a feel for the physicality of the game. But it was it was interesting watching him and Frishy just lock up. And Frishy definitely guarding him differently than what Charlie Williams would guard him. Um, I think he kind of threw him off. He only scored four points in the game. And it's it's not like he has been to the – he's gotten to the point yet where he is able to put Gary West on the, on his back. He, but he is the one matchup problem that I feel pretty comfortable that the Carmel staff worried about. I know I worried about it. Um, Obviously, at the end of the day, you don't want Kamari Peterson going off because what he does then is he's able to get everybody involved. And, um, and of course, defensively, that's one of Carmel's strong suits. So they, they had a plan for Jalen, and I thought they executed. They fronted him a lot with Charlie Williams. They had a lot of backside support. They got there most of the time. One time they didn't. I believe there was a quick timeout after that. Um, and then Frischie came in and guarded him just – guarded him differently you know and that's he was a lot more physical with him a lot more just basically face guarding him even in the post um not fronting not you know charlie's fronting him williams is fronting him trying to make a play where frishy's facing him trying to just keep him from getting anything the ball would go up on the rim or go up for a shot and frishy wouldn't even attempt to rebound he basically just blocked basically just made sure Jalen washington didn't get a rebound and that worked pretty well until the final, until the end of regulation when securing a missed free throw became an issue. But um, to be to be fair to Frischi, I'm not even sure who was who was completely in there. I do think I do think Frischi was part of that mix. I think Charlie Williams had fouled out. So you know when you look at when you look at Carmel's balance or their their scoring, normally it's you do you do every now and then see Connor Joya get into the eight to ten point range. It's just because of free throws, because of him sneaking in and getting the basket. And that's going to be something we're going to talk about now was you have to put so many resources on Suter and Waddell and Charlie Williams for that matter. And then Orm has definitely become an option. And, and you know, Orm is the six, seven sophomore that has had some big moments this year. And again, he, he hit two shots, but both of them were threes. I, I know one was in the fourth quarter. I'm pretty sure one was in overtime. Um, I you know I can't remember when his other three was to be to be really blunt about it, but but what Carmel had going in the first half was they they really did sort of struggle with Jalen Washington's length and just his or the promise of his length, you know the potentiality of his length and and you could see some guys get to the paint and kind of kind of rush shots up or or short arm it or or not even shoot it at all. And what they found out more in the second half, especially when the game got tight in overtime, was that he wasn't really the factor at the rim that I think they thought he would be. Now, a lot of that, trust me, is just a young kid and an awareness. You could see him sort of just be a half step slow, and then it was too late. 
to, to make that, to, you know, to get there to help. And that even, that was something that I tweeted that at some point Jalen Washington's going to figure that out. And it, and it's an awareness thing. It's not, it's not an effort thing. The kid battled the whole game and I'm sure late in the game, he was probably tired. And, and I don't know that, especially if Joya, the way Joya was able to get downhill on, on Israel Hines, I, I'm not sure that, I mean, Washington helping would have at least forced the pass, but I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure that it would have, you know, I mean, I guess that's a chance that that's an opportunity for a turnover, whereas Joya is able to get the rim, but it's, it's very rare for Joya to go out there and drop 16 points and, and lead Carmel in scoring. Uh, Brian Wada had some good moments. I still think there's some times where he has opportunities to drive his guy and doesn't take it. And I'm talking about like isolation situations. I'm not talking about catches, catches off screens. I'm talking about he gets in space and, and, and can just literally beat his guy. I thought he had that opportunity against um, against Lafayette Jeff for as well as he played. Um, I, I thought there were some opportunities here where he was able to do that. So and didn't didn't take advantage of it. Um, you know, you look at you look at Suter, who is. Um, who only goes for four points in the game, but just his presence and playmaking and his ability to, to create offensive, you know, to create offensive possessions with, you know, being active on the glass. He and Frischie both in that regard are, um, are effective in, in creating second chance opportunities. But if they don't get the rebound, they get their hand on it so that Carmel can. And at the end of it, it was, it was just, it was shot making. It was Orm hitting a couple threes. It was, it was whack hitting a three in the first, you know, in the first half that, that allowed Carmel to kind of have the lead most of the way. In fact, Carmel led most of the game. But but the one thing they wanted to really key in on it was just kind of keeping Kamari Peterson, um, keep Kamari Peterson under control. He had some foul trouble in the first half, um, hit a big three at the end of regulation or toward the, the end of regulation. And you're just thinking, well, if he can hit the way he hit that three, you're thinking he can get that shot anytime. And then at that point, it just sort of became – you know, just making things as tough as, as possible. And and then you look at what Krishan Christmas and Perry and Roberson were able to do with just their being their physical presence in the paint where they're able to drive, take contact, be patient and put the ball up. Um, you know, Christmas went for 12 Roberson went for eight. Both those guys are, are strong bodies. Both those guys are, are able to get up quickly, especially Christian Christian's a super athletic where Perry and or Roberson is just a really strong kid. And both of them in the paint off penetration are, are going to have physical advantages, at least against Carmel. So, you know, at the end of it, it was it was just hoping that uh, Peterson wouldn't go off for, you know, 20 or something, because that's I mean, that's above his average. I mean, he's the, he's look, he's their best player, but they've got a pretty balanced team. And then just the Jalen Washington matchup, him making sure he wasn't getting easy, easy baskets. Um you know, that ends up being a key for Carmel and they advanced 53 to 50. So uh, they faced Lawrence North. Didn't get a chance to watch that game either. Um, hopefully I'll get a chance to watch that here this week and, and just see. But but looking forward to the rematch between Carmel and Lawrence North coming up uh, for the 4A uh, for the 4A state championship. So that does it for this week. We basically are looking at next week or no, the. Next week, we're going to have a normal podcast. We're probably going to talk about maybe what the Indiana All-Star team might look like. And that, that's going to come up uh, next Sunday, published on Monday. Then 
the, the following Thursday, we're going to record the preview for the state finals. And then we'll get that posted on Friday morning. And then the following Sunday, we'll come back with talking about the results of the state finals and looking ahead a little bit to the off season. So uh, the AAU season is coming up. So there's going to be a full season of that. And that's going to, that'll be a little bit different. There still won't be coaches out, but there definitely will be uh, tournaments locally. If you guys are into, into going to those. Um, and, um, you know, other than that, looks like we're going to have a somewhat normal season. I think you're still going to see some masks and, and hopefully uh, some healthy kids and, and we get this thing finally kicked out. But looking forward to the state finals. Again, the 1A matchup, Couts versus Bar-Reeve. The 2A matchup, Fort Wayne Blackhawk versus um, <laughs> versus Park Heritage. Sorry. Silver Creek in the 3A matchup will face Leo, a team we didn't talk about on a game I didn't get a chance to see. Uh, that, that would have definitely been a game Zach would have watched. And then the, the 4A state championship is a rematch of the, of the Mick uh, outing earlier. Carmel versus Lawrence North. So want to say real quick, Box Out Sports is a leading online graphics solution, giving you the ability to create professional content in seconds to highlight your team and student athletes during your season. You can sign up for a free demo at boxoutsports.com. And as Zach would remind us, it is not just for basketball. It definitely can be used for other sports. So if you're a club club director or, or a school's athletics director, and if you haven't figured out what Box Out Sports can do for you, give it a look. Also, of course, that Indiana podcast is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. You can subscribe via each of those apps and have them delivered straight to your phone, tablet, or desktop. If you get a chance, please give us a rating and a review. We definitely appreciate five-star rating. Uh, and any comments, uh, put any comments you want on uh, what type of content you might want to see going forward. So we definitely would love to hear from you via that or via our social media at Courtside End. Courtside IND on Twitter, or you can catch me at J-W-R-E-A-M-E-R on Twitter as well. DMs in both cases are always open. So for those that listen each week, we appreciate it. And for those that are listening for the first time, we hope you come back. You guys have a good week and thanks for listening. (laughs) 